0: Repeated. Amen. I don't want to um, sound political here this morning, but I, I've had people ask me what are the things that I look at when it comes to candidates and stuff like that. And it's, I, to me it is very simple. I, I look from a biblical standpoint. Um, you know, the scripture says that God puts them up and he, he puts them down, so there are some things that are, um, it isn't just about the vote. It's about what God is wanting to do and that type of thing. Praise God. He proved that to the nation of Israel when their um, consistent resistance for him to be their Lord and that type of thing in their life and finally got to a place where they just kind of spilled over and they said, listen, we want a king. We want somebody we can see. And of course, you study that out, their reasoning was not very good. It really wasn't. They just wanted somebody to, you know, that they could manipulate and things of that sort. And in today's political world, that is the way it is. There's no question about it. And I'm not finding fault or being critical, but I have learned to look at five things. This is what I look at. This is just, I, if I'm looking at a candidate, I'm not concerned about a lot of the policies, although I know they're important, but the first one I look at is what, how do they look at life? Abortion, what is their stand on that? And you can tell a lot about a candidate if they're willing to stand against things like that a man. Um, uh, the second one I look at is how do they look at or how do they, defi- what is their definition of marriage? And that one is a live wire today in our world. People, um, for some reason, they don't know the definition and so I ask them and that's one of the things I look at. And of course we understand that a biblical definition of that is between one man and one woman. It's very easy. Um, another thing that I look at or the third thing that I look at is of course how do they view sexuality in this trans world we're living in and I'd I'm not here to be offensive to people but um, God creates us the way we are and that's what I'm looking at when I look at a candidate are you still considering that do you still look at that or are you in some rela- or you know some spirit or agenda that type of thing the fourth one I look at is of course, you know, faith-based or religious freedom. Do they believe in religious freedom? That's the definition, or I should say, the separation between church and state. And so, this is a, a, a big, big item again, and that type of thing. And the last one I look at, number five, and this is just me, this is what I look at over the years. You know, you can look at personalities, you can look at what they stand for, what party they're a member of, and that type of thing. And again, I'm not here to um, be Republican or, or Democrat or even independent, praise God. I'm Christian. And that is what their view of, and I mean the spiritual view of Israel. Well, how do they look at Israel from a biblical standpoint? I still believe that the scripture is very, very firm on the fact that whosoever you, they will bless you, I will bless them. And that's important as a nation. In my opinion, that's one of the things that has kept us where we're at, you know, from spinning out of control and that type of thing. So, you know, um, I don't know if this helps you or not, but those are the five things I look at. Those are the things that I look at in a candidate. And I understand that we're coming down to a time when, um, when the political arena is going to be wide open and you're going, to, you're going to hear all kinds of stuff and debates and things of that nature. But I always look at things from the perspective of God. Now, again, I do believe that it is our privilege to vote it is, that is a privilege as a citizen of the United States. If you choose not to, that's your business. I'm not here to say you better vote or else. Um, I'm just saying, you know, um, if, you, if you feel strong about some things, you do that, you know, the way that, that our democratic society has deemed it to be, and that is, of course, we vote in Jesus' name. Now, in conclusion of all of this, whoever gets in that office, and I can say this without any malice or any, any, any of that, um, that I pray for them. I pray that God will keep his hand on them. We have had presidents in, in, in the last 30 to 40 years that have been greatly influenced by the apostolic movement. We have had some that haven't, you know. But nevertheless, I believe that God's church Um, Should always be of the opinion that we're going to pray for the leaders of our country in Jesus name And so why don't we do that you can sit you don't have to stand But I think it'd be a good uh, policy for us to just pray for folks in Jesus name both on the state and the national level in Jesus name folks. There are all kinds of controversies I would pray that uh, on our on the senators and for the congressmen that you would Clear up that in Jesus' name. Help them to become convicted about biblical truths. And Lord, I believe that you are. I believe that you are engaged in trying to reach people. In Jesus' name, it isn't all over. Praise God. I believe there are people in our government, people that are in those areas that really do genuinely want to see godly things happen. And God, I pray that you will give them boldness. I pray that you will give them wisdom. I pray that you will give them strength to stand against those those wiles that are coming their way in Jesus' name and help them to become the man or the woman that they need to be for you. And Lord God, help us as a church to continue to intercede for them. I believe that one can put a Thousand to flight. I believe that two can put ten thousand to flight. I believe that you've ordained, praise God, people in strategic places. I believe just like Daniel was in in the right into the inner sanctum of the government of that time. I believe that you're going to rise up people amongst us, Lord God, that are going to be influences, that are going to say things, that are going to bring things to the table in Jesus' name. And I thank you for that, God. I praise you for that. Forgive us, Lord God. Forgive me for being critical, Lord God things and help me Lord God to be a to be just a uh, an intercessor for these and for this cause in the name of Jesus and God I give you the praise and I give you the glory Lord God for what you're doing you are the one Lord God that's the author and the finisher of our faith and Lord God it is just absolutely tremendous what you are doing Lord God in these last days in the name of Jesus can we just lift up our hands and give God praise for what he's doing! Yes, Lord. God. As one who has spent the last 20 years in the political system of the UPCI, I I can appreciate people who stand up um, in in Congress or people who stand up in boardrooms and say, listen, we need to go this direction and we need to have God as our Savior. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. We need to hear the voice of God in these days. That's what God wants to help us to do so that we can not only hear it, but we can do it. Praise God. And, um, and I believe that makes a difference. I believe it will. Look at what the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 4. You've heard this before. The scripture says that um, in verse number 11 of the fourth chapter of Hebrews, um, it talks about, of course, it gives us a, um, an example of the Old Testament, how that they could not enter into that rest because they allowed um, uh, 10 of those spies to come back and to influence their thinking. And pretty soon it just encompassed the whole, the whole camp and they were not able to go into the promised land at the time that God wanted them to. And so what they ended up doing was spending 40 years in a wilderness, just kind of wandering, you know. Um, God didn't leave them or forsake them, but that's just where it is. And I, I don't want to be caught up in that kind of a dilemma today. I don't think it's the time for us to be wandering in wildernesses. I think it's a time for us to know what the Lord is doing and what he's saying and to do it and, and, and just settle that fact. And so he said here in Hebrews chapter 4 and 11, let us labor, the word there actually means desire, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let's desire that. And lest any man fall after the same ab- example of unbelief. That was the crux of the matter. You know, it wasn't the opposition of the enemy. It wasn't how many of them were coming against them because God has proved that throughout history, that numbers is not his game. Man, when he took 300 people, 300 obedient souls, and gave them a pitcher and a light, and they conquered an entire army, give me a break. God can do these things. And so the, really the crux of the matter is unbelief, and that's what we have to be careful of, that we begin to identify unbelief in our own lives. And when we give, uh, you know, give, give room for it, it'll grow, and pretty soon, man, there ain't nothing God can do. I mean, it's all lost. We well throw in the tile, Forget it. Nobody's ever going to get saved again. And that's not where I want to live. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way. And so the Bible says in verse 12, the word of God, everybody say amen is, not going to be, it is quick and powerful. That literally means it's alive and it's active. Never forget that. The word of God does not lay dormant. It doesn't. It can lay dormant in, in a person's life. I mean, that's, yeah, God doesn't violate the human will. But the word itself, he is alive and it's kicking. And so I thank God for that. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Only God can divide the soul and the spirit. Personally, I feel like after studying the Word of God that people that end up in the lake of fire, that's going to happen. You know? But nevertheless, that's God. I can't do that. You can't do it. It's bonded, praise God. And I appreciate that. But look at this. Look at verse 13. And this sometimes is a scary thought to us, but it really shouldn't be. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. God sees everything. And it says, But all things. Everybody say everything. All things are naked and open unto, his eye, uh, unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do with. God literally knows what we're thinking and where we're going and what our motives are. Right. Yeah. Now that's a scary thought to somebody who's not saved but somebody who has gone by the way of water in the name of Jesus and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and are desiring to live a life that God wants them to live, that's good news, praise God. I'm glad that God never lets us get away with anything, that his voice, praise God, will penetrate any and all things in Jesus' name. And so you can be assured of that. That's what God is doing. Amen. A lot of times what what we would think of, You know, God not liking us is the idea that God is convicting us. That's what he does. And he uses the conscience. One of the things that happened to you and me when we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, in my opinion, is that our conscience was returned. We became sensitive in that area of our lives. Amen. So many people in the world that you and I live in have a dull conscience. They crowded it with all kinds of voices and all kinds of scenarios and situations. And the voice of God is still calling them, but they cannot hear it. But aren't you glad that you can hear the voice of God? Come on, aren't you glad that you can get in a prayer room? You can get someplace with your Bible. You can go out there even riding a bike in a car someplace, and you can lift up your hands and you can hear the voice of God, and the Lord will speak to you, praise God, just like He's like He has always done that in Jesus' name. I think there ought to be about 10 or 15 of us lifting up our hands right now and thanking God for that. Come on, that's what God restored. That was the that's what the Spirit, praise God, restored into your life in Jesus name oh hallelujah oh blessed be to the name of the Lord Hallelujah, Jesus! Hallelujah, Jesus! Hallelujah, Jesus! But let me just continue on this before I I switch gears here. I'm going to tell you who you really are this morning, okay? That's what I'm winding up to do, praise God, but i got to get this out here so that we can get, get down to that place. Look at verse number 14. I'm still in Hebrews 4. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. That's Jesus. Amen. That is passed into the heavens. That's what Jesus did. That's why there's room up there for you and I now. Because that's where he's at. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast or firmly our profession. Grab it with both hands, both legs, everything you got. Just embrace that in Jesus' name. It says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, it says, as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, as a man, was tempted in every, every aspect that you and I are. Amen. So then it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praise God. I am here to tell you that that is absolutely in abundance, praise God, in this day and hour that you and I live in, in Jesus' name. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. I'm glad that God restored my conscience. I'm glad that God began to convict my heart, praise God. I'm glad that God continues to do that, and because of His goodness, somebody say amen. His goodness, I can be led to repentance, and then I I can begin to change. Come on, do you see the chain there? What happens is, praise God, things will begin to change. And eventually what it's going to wind up being, if any man be in Christ, they are a new creature, praise God. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. That's where you're headed, Christian, in the name of Jesus. That's a rejoicing call. In the name of Jesus. That's what God has done for us. And he wants to do that for many, many, many more in this world. We understand the, the general statement in the Bible that says that God is not willing that any should perish. But that all would come to repentance. That's the will of God. And so if they'll choose the same pathway that you did, they'll accomplish that. In Jesus' name. And so I'm glad in Jesus' name that he does that. So I have taken it upon myself, uh, quite frankly, um, uh, in my, one of my endeavors, ongoing studies, whatever you want to call it, is I want to know the voice of God. I want to be able to define that. I want to be able to be very sharp when it comes to that. Because I know that God's voice is like none else. I've, over the years, I won't do it this morning, but I preached on different voices that will come. They are there because of who you are, you know, and you and I must be very careful. One of the two that are very, very uh, tough for us to uh, differentiate sometimes is the human will and God's will. That one is tough sometimes because our will sounds pretty good, you know. It really does. I mean, right now I'm kind of seeing everything the way that it should be, and God, this is the way it should be. And God says, you know, and he might be speaking to your heart saying, no, that's not the way it is. Amen. Amen. Be careful. Don't just lay hands on people because you feel like, you know, I want to heal them. I want to do something even more in their lives. And so I would rather you spend time on your knees praying for them and interceding for that. Ooh, quite a thought, isn't it? Think about it. Because God wants to do that. There are several of you in here. That's the ministry God wants to bring to you. But if you lack patience, you're going to get up way before it's time. And that's going to be, that's not going to work out well for you. It hasn't worked out for, for well for me. I just want to tell you that by experience. But boy, when God says what he says and does what he wants to do, I'm telling you something, things can happen instantaneously. Praise God. Somebody here is is—is is in your sixth lap. That's where you're at. You're in your sixth lap around that city and around that building, whatever it's going on in your life right now. And I know that this week you've been, you've been thought about just giving that up. But I'm just going to encourage you don't. Keep at it, praise God. Because when you're obedient to God and you do everything that he wants you to, everything, oh, my goodness, you can give a good shout, and it won't just be emotion. It won't be. It won't be just something that fills up and then a half hour later it's gone. It'll be something that is powerful in the name of Jesus. And guess what? You'll see the walls come down in the name of Jesus, and good things will begin to happen. Is there anybody in here that wants to do that? Come on, I think that you are in line of that because of who you are in his eyes. Oh, I'm telling you right now, if you'll just if you'll just call upon his name right now, in the name of Jesus, oh, hallelujah. Oh Lord Jesus, wow. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Wow, yes. did that hit a nerve or what? Oh, Man, Jesus. alive. Come on, folks. I got the Clark Kent ones oh, out today. Lord. I'm telling you something. It's sharper than, two-edged, than a two-edged sword, any two-edged sword. In Jesus' name. Whoa. My goodness. Isn't that, isn't that exciting? Doesn't that just put a spring in your step, knowing that these kind of things are happening in the name of Jesus? Praise God. And so God is good. Let's launch into a little bit of a Bible study here. Got about a half an hour left here. And God can help us with this. I'm going to take you to First Peter chapter number 2. First Peter chapter number 2. I, in my observation, have noticed a big, huge difference between First um, uh, 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 Peter and Second Peter. In my opinion, I think that uh, Peter had somebody help him write the first one. I do. That's just my opinion, because I Peter was just a, a fisherman. He was just a guy like me. He just knew how to get his hands dirty. He knew how to put on a pair of gloves. You know, I mean, that's just what he was. And so this refined book here. And I'm not, you know, calling Peter anything here. I'm just saying, you know, guys like Peter and me, we need help. We need some elegant speakers to come to our life so that we can say things. In my case, God gave me a wife. Seriously. And I know you see her correcting me all the time, but she has absolutely been on a 43-year journey to try to get me to talk right. (laughs) She just has. And she has a pageant for it, and I appreciate that. I really do. Sometimes I get irritated with it, but hey, it's like anything else. You live with people, you gotta take that with it, right? But watch this, look at Peter. First Peter chapter number two. And the scripture tells us some really neat stuff here. It says in verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies um, and all evil speakings. Boy, it's telling you, there's some things you've got to take off on a regular basis. I'm reading a book now, a new one on holiness, and the author made the point. He said, if you're going to be used of God, there are two things that will come your way. He said, first of all, rejection, and he says, and, and jealousy. And whoa, man, that one, I, I thought, yeah, thats it's there. It's whether we want to say it or not. And so what has to happen is like Peter's saying to, to us here um, through his interpreter, <laughs> not just kidding. He's saying, um, got to get rid of it all, guys. Got to get rid of it all. I hope that there's somebody in here that's learning that oil and water don't mix. It don't. And so that's why theres it's such a... Um, it, it seems like relentlessness that God is trying to get some things and add some of the inner sanctums of our life. It's because if God was to pour out those things in your life, with even a little bit of that left, it would be enough to taint it to where it would, it would, it would nullify the power of God. And that's why God said, you know, in the Old Testament, he said, clean vessels. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who will allow him to clean us, cleanse us. And he does that, praise God. Now that doesn't mean perfection. Don't you get off on that, Tan? I'm thinking, well, I'll never be able to do this. Not by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You'll never be able to do it by yourself. But with his help, you can. And I mean to tell you, you can achieve some tremendous things in the kingdom of God. And so, first of all, he's telling us, get rid of it all. And then in verse number two, as newborn babies, look at that word there, desire. You know, that's the thing, you know, that God wants to change in a lot of people. He's changed a lot of it in me. I have different desires now. There are certain things that just don't matter to me anymore. You know, I don't have to jump on a soapbox and tell everybody. I just let my life do the talking. Praise God. And so there it is, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And personally, I don't think we ever get past that. Some people think that, well, after a while, I just don't have to take any milk. No, I think there's going to be times, you know, when you're 50 years in this thing that you're going to have to have that little drink of of milk. And so that's what it is, so desire that. And the Bible says you can do this if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, I don't know if you have or not, but I have. I taste that every day. God is so good. Amen. I don't blame, you know, the ills of the world on my God. I don't. And some, have, you know, some people just do that. And we've got to be careful with that. That's what fills us with the first verse. And that's why all of the first verse isn't out. So, verse number four says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed, the word disallowed means rejected, indeed of men. So, right there, it's right there. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to live the way God wants you to live, you are going to be rejected by people. It is just as plain as the nose on your face. Now, again, it's one of those things I don't go to bed thinking about this stuff. But when it pops up, not if, when it pops up, I realize what's happening. And you want to know the worst part of it is? Being a pastor, this is the worst part for me. It isn't the world. It isn't people laughing at me. You know, um, back in 2007 when I went on, on, on the rag across to Iowa with my brother, it was a great time, but I was the, one of the only people that were properly dressed. And I had people looking at me like I had holes in my head. I had a couple of them come up to me and say, aren't you hot? And I said, not any hotter than you are. And one of them came up to me, why, why don't you dress like this? I said, because of God. You know, that's just the way it is. I realize that I'm not trying to impress people anymore. I'm trying to please God. Some of you really, really need to take that journey and get off of this thing that, man, please everybody and try to make everybody happy and clappy. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I had an author tell me one time that if we don't please God, it don't matter who we please. That's really the way it is, and that's what I have found, and that is not something rude and bad. That's just the way it is. And so I, you know, I'm disallowed indeed of men. Yes. I've been rejected, and I'm going to be rejected again, but the Bible says, but chosen of God and precious. That's the one I'm looking for. I hope that that's the one that you get happy about. I hope that's the one that you live for. I hope that you can get up tomorrow morning and say, that's where I'm seeking. I want God to choose me. I want God to be pleased with me. I want God, the favor of the Lord in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, this is available to every person in this place in In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, folks. I'm not getting any rougher with you than I have the last two or three weeks. Come on. You might as well... Fasten a seatbelt, you might as well lift up those hands. You might as well accept the fact that God's better than anybody. It doesn't make any difference what's happening to this world. My God's on top of it. He is the king. He's not going to be the king. He is the king in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, I've made him king of my life. Oh, I feel like rejoicing in the Lord. Hallelujah. God, Larry, you got to keep coming because if nobody else likes this, I know you do. <laughs> Praise God. And so here we are, I mean, we just got through, you know, four verses there, but let's read on here. The scripture says, ye also are as lively stones, living, are built up, up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You and I have been built for that. Amen. That's why a lot of what, what we do is involving the spiritual aspect of the Lord. Praise God. And that's why the, the uh, physical aspect, you know, sometimes will kind of, you know, uh, shrug their shoulders and say, what are they trying to do? You know, and again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain it to everybody. Amen. You know, it's kind of like after you got the Holy Ghost, you're trying to tell, you know, your brother or somebody in the world there, you know, what happened to you, and they're just kind of looking at you like, What? What? You know, well, you know, and the only th- best thing you could do is say, hey, why don't you come out? Why don't you come out next Sunday morning? Praise God. And just make a promise to me that you're going to stay through the whole service. Praise God. And let's just see what happens. Let's see if your understanding becomes a little sharper in Jesus' name. And so this is what I see anymore. Praise God. We waste a lot of energy trying to get things square pegs in round holes. And so God has made us a promise that we're going to be lively and that we're built upon a spiritual house. That's what God is doing in these last days, praise God. That's the church, by the way. And so the scripture says that these sacrifices, these spiritual sacrifices, are acceptable to God. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. Praise God. You can, you know, you know I've I mentioned hearing the voice of God, which I feel like is important. You can begin to discern whether God is accepting things from you or not. You can do that. Amen. You know, a good case in point was um, Cain and Abel. You know, that should have been very obvious to Cain, and it probably was. But you see, his ego got in the way, his pride got in the way, and, man, he didn't want nothing to do with it. In fact, God visited with him, spoke to him, I believe in an audible voice, and said, listen, man, we can straighten this out in a hurry. You know, sin's lying at your door. If you're going to open it up and let it come in, then you're going to be in bad shape. And so there was a chance. That is a beautiful example, in my opinion, of God's, the goodness of the Lord leading people to repentance. That is a beautiful example of that. But it's also a beautiful example of how the world looks at the things of God. That God can't tell me what to do. I can bring whatever I want to the Lord. I can do whatever I want, for, you know, with the things of God. And I understand that little bit of disease, that little cold gets in the church. And that's why it's got to be taken out because you're not going to get very far. I'm not going to get very far with that kind of an attitude. Last couple, three weeks on Wednesday nights, it's no accident that we've been talking about attitude. We've been talking about God making adjustments in our lives. And we, we must accept that. You know, it isn't easy. I'm not telling you it's always easy, but it is the right thing to do. And then as God begins to make those adjustments, man, alive, things begin to accelerate in our life, and then we continue in the journey, praise God. And so it's because God has built us as lively stones, praise God. Now let me continue in the thought here because I I'm, want I'm to get to kind of an end result here if I can. The scripture says in verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Never forget that. Behold, I lie in, De- in Zion, a chief cornerstone, the elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Do you know who he's talking about there? He's talking about Jesus. You and I have accepted Jesus. Actually, what happened is God accepted us. And we realize that. And so now with Jesus involved, all things begin to open. All things become relevant, praise God, in this spiritual house that he's building. And so the scripture says in verse number 7, Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. And then it gets back to that unbelief. That's what kept the children of Israel out of the, the promised land 40 years prior. It wasn't the opposition. It didn't have anything to do with how big and how bad things were. It had to do with their belief in God. Now can you begin to understand, or maybe your spiritual eyes can begin to see what God is really doing in your life? He's allowing Allowing, he didn't do it, allowing things to come into your life just for this purpose so that you can grow in this. He's not going to make it perfect for you in this world. He's going to give you things, praise God, that will lead you to Him, that will lead you to the place that I can't get through this without Him in the name of Jesus. That's God on purpose. He's not going to eliminate that in your life. He's not going to make things great. He's not going to give you some, you know, uh, a perfect retirement plan. Come on, that's the world's way of looking. I'm not retiring from this world. I can't do that because I'm not to my home yet. My home is far beyond the sky. I'm telling you something. I'm just like Paul. I'm going to the third heaven, praise God. I'm going to go to paradise. That's what God has in store for me. Amen. And God is proving that with his people every week. And that's why you feel, you see people, and I don't like it, but you see people dropping off for some stupid reason, for something that really shouldn't have been relevant, but it was, and God knew that, praise God, and just like Cain, God visits those people, and he talks to them, and he said, man, we can straighten this out today. No, don't wait for tomorrow, let's straighten it out today, and I got a feeling there's about two or three of you in here today that God is speaking to you in that light. That's exactly what God is doing, saying, come on, let's deal with this now. Let's not let it get any bigger. Come on, anybody want to stand and lift that up to the Lord right now? Come on, come on, I believe He's here. I believe He's here in heavy doses in the name of Jesus. That's right, go ahead and confess that. Oh, my goodness. Whoa, whoa, whoa kita 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 jesus thank you jesus Oh man, I sense that right now. Praise God. That got that got into about four layers. That one went right down into the crux. That one hit pay dirt. That one hit the nerve in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's not be afraid to bring it back up to the Lord. Come on. God's delivering somebody right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. That's what He's doing. Come on. Speak that word. Come on. Speak in other tongues. Do whatever the Bible tells you you should do. Come on. Just let it come out of you like a river of living water in the name of Jesus. Oh, Rito Kohobata. Oh, Ripa Kohosha. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you won't be afraid, come on. And He didn't give you the spirit of fear. Come on, He gave you the spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. That's what He did. Come on, that's what He did. Come on, you can get drunk on more than alcohol. You can get drunk, you can get high on more than just drugs. Come on, God's putting sobriety in here right now. That's what he's doing, he's sobering us up. Come on, that's what I feel right now. Some of you are getting sober for the first time in several weeks. Oh, barrito cohosha, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Wow, I feel that. Woo, my goodness. Man, alive. Oh, praise God. Come on, you can make some good decisions right now. You can make some intelligent decisions right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Woo. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus! Wow. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. It's they're very evident. They're not going to make me the keystone or the key whatever it is, Keystone, uh, uh, what is it? Keynote. keynote. <laughs> See, I got my interpreter here. A keynote speaker at the N-A-Y-C. No, don't do it. Praise God. They'd throw me right off that stage. And that's okay. No, it isn't. But it's, it's, it is what it is. I understand what I'm doing. I understand my role. I do. And I'm not jealous of anybody else. I'm not. I'm really not. Praise God. And so you must understand that God has built this thing to work. Amen. And a lot of times we just have to, we have to quit. You know, we, we're quick to tell people, don't drink alcohol or don't take drugs. And I mean, I'm not here to, to upset that apple cart, but man, we can get drunk on ourselves. Amen. That's right. Man, that's the deal. We can get filled with ourselves. And that, that one is not. I, I'm not a good person that you want to be filled with. I'm just not. I'm, I don't make any bones about that. It's Jesus. i got to move on. I'm getting that look. She'll interpret that for me when I get home. Okay. Okay, look at this, verse number 7. Let's move on. we got about four more scriptures we've got to get through, and we will. We will, because I'm going to show you who you are in God's eyes. The Bible says, unto you, say, that's me. It says, therefore, which believe, he is precious. It says, but unto them... Which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, it says, "The same is made the head of the corner. It becomes a disaster. The things of God become a disaster because we cannot. We cannot put them where they need to be. And that is priority. And so the Bible says, a stone of stumbling in verse number eight, and a rock of offense, and that's what God becomes to people. That's what, because I'm His agent. That's what I become to people. Mm, wow. I, and that's why I get rejected. Because people see me that way. And God said, well, they see me that way, they're going to see you that way too. And he said, by that, by that he says, you know you're doing things right. Thank you, Jesus. That's how I know I'm in line. That's how I know that I'm being accepted of God. Is if I do it just like he'd do it. Amen. And so this is what the Bible says. You know, if you don't accept God for who he is, if you don't allow the things of God to become precious, precious to you, then all of a sudden they're going to become, oh, this is a mistake. I can't do this. God wouldn't want me to do that and all of that. And man, I've heard enough of it in the last two weeks that it's just it's what it is. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying I know what it is. And so somebody said, why don't you run after him? God didn't run after the prodigal. No, he waited for the prodigal to come back. And you just go ahead and, 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 and review his last job. Yeah. And so that's what I learned to be patient. And not quit praying. Not quit loving God and, and worshiping him and reading my Bible and doing everything else that God and I got involved with years ago. That's what it is. That is not a not-care attitude, folks. That is a learned attitude. Yes. And so the scripture says, and a rock of stumbling, and, a, and a, or I'm sorry, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were Appointed. That one there, I'm still trying to wrap myself around. I won't give you the interpretation yet. But here's who you are. Look at this. Four things. There are four things here that you should really write them down or at least underline them in your Bible. The scripture says, but you. Come on, everybody say, that's me. The Bible says, are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that amazing? That's who you are in God's eyes. That's what it is. Now, that didn't give me bragging rights. It just helps me to be able to get up. It helps me to be able to to put up with and and, and put aside some of the things that I need to put aside. It just, that is the help that God has helped us. I want you to see something here. Look at the book of Revelation. Oh, she lit up. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate your zeal for the book of Revelation. You get it all down, you explain it to me, okay? Because I don't But there's a couple of things that I do, and I want to show you something here. Look at the first chapter of the book of Revelation. I want to show you this. The Bible says there, it says John, verse number 4, Revelation 1 and 4. It says, John, to the seven churches, it says, which are in Asia, grace to be to unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits, it says, which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is, come on, somebody say he is, yes. the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Wow, what a mouthpiece. That's why we can, we can have what we have. Because look at verse number 6. And hath made us, come on, this is what he's doing. Kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. You know what's got Saul in the problems? You know what's got Saul into the deep doo-doo? is because he took upon an honor he wasn't supposed to. In the Old Testament, there was never to be a priest that was going to be a king. And vice versa. Never. Oh, you can say, well, David took the ephod and he worshipped God. Yeah, well, it's always in vogue for us to worship God personally. But when it comes to offices like that in the Old Testament, never. That was never designed to be that way. And that's why Saul got himself into trouble. Praise God! It's because there were no kings and priests, there were just kings and priests. But you've got to understand in the New Testament that's going to change. Praise God! You're going to be able to multitask. You're going to be able to do things that people could never do before. You want to know why? Because of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, Saint. If you're looking here for a reason to worship God, state Jesus, His name. He's the one that did all of this, praise God. And you can co- complain about the fact that you're not in your perfected state yet. Well, yeah, join the rest of us. But praise God, we can look down that long corridor and we can see where God is taking us in the name of Jesus. And that's what God is doing for you today, praise God. Come on, He has given you He's given you a powerful lineage, praise God. You are chosen. What that literally means is He picked you out. Praise God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the rest, but there was something in your life that says, hey, I can use that now. Come on, that's what it's all about. And that's what God is doing. You are chosen of him. Praise God. And so this is what he's done. That's why you're here, by the way. And then the scripture says that you are a a, a royal priesthood. Amen. That means that you have kingly blood flowing through your veins right now. Amen. And I'm talking about in the spirit. And that's why things are, 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 are absolutely possible because of what God is, is, is making us. I made this point last week, and I'll make it again in passing today. You know, to them that embrace him, to them that choose him, and that's really what the case is. God is choosing you. But really what? Com- Com is, or what's the term I'm looking for? Um, come on, you usually have all the answers for me. Culminates, that probably work. <laughs> I don't know if that's the proper word or not. But what makes this work is that when God chooses you, you choose him. That's the deal. And we begin to embrace him. We begin to make everything in our life about him. And that's what brings this thing to fruition. Not the fact that we are something. It's the fact of the matter that he chose us. And that's what God has done for you. That's what he has done. That's why you can talk about the goodness of the Lord, and I love to do that, but, you know, on the other side of it, that's one of the reasons why there's going to be such a horrible judgment is because of what people have given away. Praise God. And so, you know, you think about these things, and and you try to embrace them the best that you can, but the bottom line is praise God. God has given you the ability to do that. And so, number one, you're chosen. Number two, you're royal. Number three, you are holy. You are holy with Him. Praise God. Just embrace that. Let Him do it. And then the last part of it is you are peculiar. The word literally, you know, has a multi-meaning, but one of the meanings is you are peculiar people, that you are God's. You're his own, praise God. But I wrote something down here the other day that, um, uh, that what, what, what um, peculiar means in, in, a little, in a little deeper light is it means that you are preserved. That God has preserved you for certain things to happen. Now, until we think this is all going to be fun and games, in my opinion, God preserved people during the first century churches when there was tremendous persecution going on with a government called Rome. And he preserved them to be put into an arena and literally tore up by lions. Now, that one we have a hard time with until we begin to get the lens of God and we see that all the people that were affected by the dying and the martyring of people like you and I. And so, in the world that you and I live in, I don't know if God's going to call you to do that, or me, I don't know that. If He does, I hope I'm ready to do it. But the bottom line is, that on a daily basis, God calls us to be preserved into that light. And so by not um, uh, joining in with certain things, and by standing out in that type of thing, in the environment that you're in, God has put you purposely into the spotlight and so that the whole world can begin to see it the way that he sees it and you can you got to believe that people will walk away I've seen them well they'll walk away going Wow Wow you know I got a brother that came into this or was acquainted with this years ago and you know his comment was just at that point in time he said Man, you've got to be dedicated to being there. I mean, you can take that as an insult, but I took it as, a, as, a, as an absolute um, compliment. Yes. Yes. And this is what the world will see. Yeah. Now, it doesn't make them get saved. It just says the availability is still there. And they're going to have to come through the same way that you did in Jesus' name. And so the scripture says, and let me wind this up. You know, the Bible says that his goal, and and it's already being achieved. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then verse number 10, which in time past were not a people. And he's talking about us. But it says, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God has done that for you. You know we sing a chorus here, and I would from time to time, and we just kind of mix it with a bunch of them. But today I want to just kind of highlight that for you just a little bit, and it's a chorus that just simply says, "He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all." He has taken my sins away. Somebody here needs to sing that next week. You need to sing that everywhere that you go. You don't have to do it out loud, but you need to sing that to yourself. And you need to reacquaint yourself to the merciful God that chose you, that gave you kingly blood, that, praise God, is in the process of making you holy, like Him. And you are a peculiar people, praise God. You're His. And we need to mean to accept that, and we need to acknowledge that, and we need not to be embarrassed by that any longer. In the name of Jesus, I, in closing here, I, I did a, a little study here, and I've been doing. It's an ongoing study about um, in the book of the Revelation. It mentions things that God hates, and I don't know about you, but that gets my attention. It does, and there's several things that he mentions. One of them in, partake, in particular is he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And the late Nicolaitans were a group of people. It was actually a, grand, a grandson, or maybe it was a son, of the one that got, got converted in the, in, the, in the sixth chapter of the book of, of Acts. And what they did was they began to, um, uh, to erode the things of God, and they began to bring in a false doctrine that you don't have to do the things that God wants you to do. And what they did was they brought in a doctrine, a heresy of, of, of two, or dual, dual, duality, I think is what it's called. And what they, what they said, they proclaimed, they said that you are a dual creature and that your body is one thing and your spirit is another. And they literally were teaching people. That's why Jesus said, I hate them because they're eroding the church. And they literally taught that you could do whatever you wanted in the body, but that the spirit was still saved. That's exactly what they were teaching. You go ahead and study it out for yourself. And that type of doctrine tries to institute itself in the apostolic movement from time to time. That you don't have to follow rules. You don't have to do these things that God wants you to do. You don't have to try to fight against sin and be holy and that type of thing. You can do whatever you want in the body, but your spirit will be preserved. And that is a heresy. That is a false doctrine. And that's why Jesus said, go ahead and study it for yourself in the book of Revelation. He said, I hate those deeds. And that's what God is doing for the church right now. He he doesn't hate you, but boy, he hates that kind of a doctrine that'll try to get a hold of you. He hates that kind of thinking that will begin to melt down, you know, the things of God that God is already trying to accomplish in your life. Man, I can look at the eyes of the vast majority of you right now, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what that means in your life right now. Would you like to overcome that? Would you like to begin to send that one on its way in the name of Jesus and get back to pleasing God, get back to doing what God wants to do, and take your energy and put it towards that, and watch the glory of God ascend in, or descend into your life, and watch the power of God just do things and miracles. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now? We're gonna we're we're going to pray against that doctrine in the name of Jesus. Come on, I believe that God is here to reveal those kind of things in our life in the. Name In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Denounce it. Denounce it. Just say, I don't want nothing to do with that. Come on. That's a false doctrine. That one ain't going to work. That's oil and water. Come on. that's That's an example of oil and water. In the name of Jesus. Oh hallelujah yes God right now in the name of Jesus you have revealed to every person here what that means in their life now lord god you're going to help them you're going to take care of that you're going to you're going to eradicate that in the name of Jesus oh in the name of Jesus by the power of your blood by the name of almighty god in Jesus name Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, yes.